0: Hi, my beautiful people. This is another episode on Spill With Me, Jenny D, and I have the pleasure and honor to talk to Teresa Golden. Teresa Golden is the Executive Director for Refuge for Women, and I'm so glad you're here today to talk to my listeners about what it is and what you do. How are you?
1: I'm good. Thank you for inviting me today. I enjoy being able to speak about what we do, so it's a pleasure to join you today.
0: Thank you. So tell us about when did this start, the Refuge for Women?
1: Yes. Yeah, so Refuge for Women is actually a national organization, and it started back in 2009. The first home opened in 2010, and it came out of the need to provide safe housing for women coming out of the sex industry. And so with that, they started this national network of homes. We are now, over the last you know 12 to 13 years, have been able to get into five different states, um, Pennsylvania's going to be the 6th so our new location
0: oh that's amazing
1: yes and we have up to 11 homes now so um, within those different states and so like I said it was just out of the need there was a group who was working with some women um, in a strip clubs so they were taking, our, taking warm food and just kind of getting to know them you know just showing them some kindness and spending some time with them and through that relationship after about a year or so those women said you know we don't want to do this forever but we don't know <sighs> (sighs) how to get out and we don't know where to go kind of a thing
0: so so you're um, saying you're saying that uh, women that dance and mm -hmm. they are taking money and and they're getting really good money now are they being forced to do this or do they feel like they don't have any other goals or what they can do
1: so it can be both. It can be a situation where they are forced, so they have a pimp or they have a trafficker who's requiring them to do that in order to, you know, have a place to stay, to have some food, or they may be threatening them in some way, you know, through force of maybe, I'm going to hurt your kids or your family if you don't do this. But then there are the others who, like you said, you know, they're doing it as just a way of surviving. You know, they may not actually have a pimp or a trafficker, but they may have been in situations and um, have grown up in that type of environment where they don't feel like they there's anything else they can do, um, where they've been told there's nothing else that they're good at, and so this is a way for them to pay the bills, and so a way to get food on the table, and so they still do it. But um, once you really get to know them and you talk to them, and it is—it's a hard life, it's a struggle, um, it's not glamorous like it's seen on the movies. Right. And so they—they they don't want to do it forever, but a lot of them they do. They lack those resources to be able to start over. You know, whether it's through job skills or through you know housing, different areas like that. Sometimes they've got charges on their background so they cannot get, you know, different types of jobs because of that. And so, you know, they really just need someone to walk alongside them to help them navigate some of those things.
0: I'm so glad you brought that up because you really don't see what's going on on the other side of somebody and what they're doing. And, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes there's a stereotype of people judging other people about their What they're doing. And you don't know what's going on. You don't know why they need the money, why they're doing what they're doing. And, you know, strip joints have been around for a very long time
1: right and it's so much and that is just like one part of it so that's even just just one piece of the puzzle there's you know so many other areas that it happens you know it's prostitution on the streets it's online um, that's a big part of it these days it's just through that internet use because of so so many different like social media apps and just use internet use in general
0: right but that even is true.
1: truck stops and it could be the woman next door it could be the teenager in your daughter's class right. you know it's really the big part of it is that awareness piece like really learning what it looks like now versus what it looked like 20 years ago or, you know, however long ago. And a lot of it is just such a hidden crime. And they've been forced to out of, like I said, self-esteem or just lack of um, knowledge of how to do anything different or shame and embarrassment, you know, because they made a choice that got them involved in this lifestyle that now they don't know how to get out of. And, you know, so being able to share with them the different resources to help them get out of that lifestyle, but also really just showing them that, we believe in you. We think you can do anything that you put your mind to. So let's help you do that. That's you know, it's amazing. It's really encouraging them and building, right. helping them build that self-esteem back up. Because up until you know that point, a lot of them, they've not had people in their lives who do that.
0: Now, Teresa, is that social workers doing that, helping these women?
1: It's a little bit of everybody. Social workers are a big part of it. Um, you know, but anyone has, that has a heart for it that can go through training. I mean, there's lots of training out there for trauma-informed care right. um, and learning how to, uh, you know, talk to a woman. And a lot of times it's just being her friend, you know, being right. a mentor. Um, you know, helping her realize her potential, whether, you know, some of it might be art therapy. We've had some amazing women come out of our, our homes that, you know, found out that they love to draw or they love to paint. And You're so they kidding. make these beautiful artwork pieces or, you know, they learn to write. We journal a lot in our right. residential homes. And so, you know, they're like, I, I really like to write. And, you know, we've had a graduate who's written two books. And, That's amazing. you know, so really it's, it's about just, again, giving them a safe place to come in to heal and to really see what is it that I like to do because I've not really had a choice up until this point.
0: That's and fantastic because so, if you're yeah, not getting the, the guidance must right when you're younger or you know who knows about their family situation mm-hmm. but it's so nice to have that where you could there goes my dogs. can you hear? Them? <laughs> no, actually, I don't hear that. Okay, <laughs> good. Cuz somebody must be walking past the house so there or it could be the mailman, you know, never yeah. know. But I mean I you know my biggest thing is The therapy that these women need after what they have gone through is really the hardest part.
1: Mm -hmm. And when you think about it, um, there's so much... Hurt in this world. Um, You know, there's domestic violence, there's the drug addiction, there's all these different areas that people need to heal from. And you, you know, most times you do need to speak to a therapist who can help you look outside the picture and kind of get a different view of it and how to learn how to deal with that. When you're looking at a trafficking survivor, they have all of those things. Right. You know, on top of one another. And then you add that extra piece of being sold as a commodity or being treated like, you know, a commodity. And so that just adds a whole another level of trauma to them and so you really have to have a very specific look at how you're approaching their therapy and dealing with all those different pieces you know because every one of of them have addictions you know just all of that that goes with it and so it is a very specific type of treatment program
0: right and i'm sure they're all different Mm -hmm. you know they're coming out of it now do you it's mostly women that you do help
1: Yes, so our program is designed for women 18 and older. Um, if they do happen to have children um, in their custody, we refer to other organizations that will take the mom and the child together. Okay. Most of the times we have women who are mothers, but they don't have custody of their kids. And so what we do through our program is helping them heal because, you know, they need to heal first before they can really pour into their children. And right. so then, you know, once they get through that healing process, helping them reintegrate into, you know, the families that they uh, maybe were estranged from because of the years of... And abuse,
0: or trafficking. Right. That to me, okay, so there's houses, safe houses for domestic violence where, you know, women have to get away from. Would you say that this refuge for women is kind of like, just like that? It is very
1: similar. So we do a lot of the same work. Um, a lot of these women have been in situations where it's been a domestic violence situation. They may have been married to the person who is trafficking them. Um, oh, you know, wow. So it is like a domestic violence situation. But again, the added trauma of being sold, a lot of the other things that come along with it, with the addiction and the mental health issues and things like that, it's, it's kind of a more specific treatment program than um, a domestic violence center or even just a homeless center. We have to be very specific on some of those things because the trauma... It's very easy to re traumatize someone um, if you're not being able to really look at how, like, even the language we use, for example, you know, a track sometimes we think of that as like cross-country track or, you know, at the schools, people walk those tracks for exercise. Right. Um, a track for them is the track where they were prostituted. That's the street that they were on when they were prostituted. So looking at how you're, you the language you're using when you're talking to them can re-traumatize them. So being very specific about those types of things. But our program is really, like I said, designed to kind of get them out of that environment. You know, if you're trying to pay your bills every day, you're trying to survive and, you know stay away from your drug dealer or stay away from your pimp you're really just surviving you're in that survival mode and so you're not thinking about what my next step is going to be or how can I get to my next step I'm just trying not to get killed or trying to get put food on the table or keep my apartment without being evicted and so our program is really kind of designed let us take care of all that you come live with us for we have up to two years of care that they can be
0: with us see that is nice we
1: can pour all that into you let's we'll take care of your food we'll take care of everything but you just focus on your healing and learning how to overcome anxiety and depression a lot of them have ptsd um i can imagine mental health disorders that come with it as well
0: right i can only imagine what they're going through they were manipulated
1: Absolutely. A lot of them don't even realize they were manipulated. Like a lot of them, it takes months for them to even realize that they were actually a trafficking victim or being manipulated um, at that point. And so, you know, we don't come out and say, well, you know, you've been trafficked and we want to help you. You kind of accept them where they're at and say, you know, let's just help you find, you know, a new way to support yourself or let's help you. What do you want to do? You know, why don't you rest for a little bit and you tell us what you want to do. Do you want to go back to school? Do you want to you know, do a new job, move back to families where, you know, maybe you've been away." from your family for so long you want to reintegrate with that so it's really helping them get that vision for their future and then helping them attain
0: it it's the healing process and it takes time it's not going to be something overnight and thank you for doing that now how do these women know about you so say they do run away or they get away and they just Mm -hmm. they have no they don't know where to go how would they know to go to your place
1: so a lot of them will um, just Google safe housing or will Google emergency housing or Google any type of housing, you know, programs. And so a lot of them will reach out from to us from that Google search. Um, there's are a lot of women who are working with case managers or you know, a social work agency, maybe they're getting food stamps or maybe, you know, they're working, trying to, you know, recover and go through their addiction. So they are actively working with someone, but they're still having to go right back to that same apartment that's okay. down the street from their, you know, drug supplier or, you know, so it's really hard in that situation. And a lot of times those advocates will refer them to our program. We okay. work with law enforcement, especially through our emergency home, which is the home we're opening in Pittsburgh. Right. Um, that is a lot of times, you know, law enforcement, they'll do different operations. Um, say they do the hotels where they go in and, you know, pretend to be a someone buying sex and be able to identify these sex rings. And so they'll identify someone that needs help. And so they will need somewhere to take them. A lot of times they're like, we don't have anywhere to take them when we do locate them. That's true. And so being able to provide that immediate resource of housing um, for women in those situations or, you know, from a drug stop. And, you know, that was one of the first women that I took care of um, in our home was found at a, on a drug stop. Uh, Traffic stop. And so they had pulled a car over, and she was in the back seat. You know, had been drugged and so she was out they come to identify she had been trafficked across state lines and so um oh you know it's through gosh. those different offers but they need somewhere for them to go you know right away um trying to put them up in a hotel a needed resource but it's not the optimal because a lot of times there's no one there with them they'll put them in the room but then they're by themselves
0: right know, so who's yeah who's they get gonna scared, protect them? Or,
1: you know or that addiction piece kicks in and they go find somewhere to you know and so it's unless you have someone staying with them that's not as optimal as what we would like and so being able to have a place where there's someone there ready to you know pour in those resources or just be able to sit there with them through you know some of that initial trauma that they're trying to recover from that night
0: right and do you have law enforcement protecting these women at the home
1: We do not have actual law enforcement in the home. We um, have a secure building. We don't disclose the location where we're located for the housing piece. Um, We just put a brand new security system in. Um, We have law enforcement within the area that knows where we're at, so routine monitoring, but very close if we would ever need them.
0: That's great. And you were saying um, off the air, Teresa, that there are these awareness talks or you speak at different places. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so a big part
1: of it, um, like we were talking before, is just awareness piece. So many people don't know. You know, we'll talk to them, and they're like, that actually happens here. Right. And we're like, Yes, this could be right next door to you. So really having just a community awareness event um, where it's completely free to the public, anybody can come. And we have a panel of experts that really talk into what it looks like. So we have FBI and the local law enforcement and service providers who provide housing or drop-in centers or therapy um, for women in these situations. And so we try to do that every quarter. We just had one uh, last I guess it was last week. Oh, Um, okay. uh, At Point Park University in downtown Pittsburgh. But we hold them in different areas. So April's going to be our next one. We haven't identified a location just yet, but it's always on our website. Um, They can always go to the website. But there's lots of organizations that are doing that as well. So several of the other um, anti-human trafficking organizations also do awareness events and just, or it might be a Zoom call. You you can get online and just learn more. And that's what we really ask everybody to do. Learn about what it looks like. And I mean, if you feel called to get involved there's so many different ways you can get right, involved you
0: can volunteer
1: yeah, so you don't necessarily have to work with the women one on one if you feel comfortable with that, absolutely. Um you know, we'd love having mentors. we love having people come in and bake dinner with them or play games or absolutely. you know, take them out for outings and events, you know, just to enjoy life. But, what about, you are know, that part then so right. many different organizations do we need help with, you
0: know, writing letters or you know, holding events to do fundraisers. I was going to ask you, know, you whatever it might look like. How is your funding coming in, Teresa? So most of our funding up until the last two years is through,
1: um, like, private individuals doing monthly donations to church partners to uh, some local sponsorships like for our events, um, things like that. And then with our emergency housing, it is going to be more of a medical model because of that nature of it being like a crisis um, intervention and crisis stabilization. We will have licensed individuals there and we will be licensed through Medicaid and drug and alcohol to provide services that way. So we'll get some Medicaid funding for the emergency house as well as grants and foundations
0: and things like that there's a lot that goes into it
1: there really is i mean i am a registered nurse by trade never thought i'd be actually doing this work um until you know about four or five years ago when i started and it was definitely a learning process of how to work within a nonprofit organization but you know the mission is just so dear to my heart i was gonna say people suffering
0: right well why did you get into this um and how because i kind of wanted to know a little bit of your backstory
1: Yeah, so I mean like I said I've worked in nursing for twenty five years at that point and from a variety of women's health type of uh, jobs to pediatrics and public health. Um of my passion was always been to serve people and to help you know them feel better. And I uh, was actually through my church we were encountered a woman who was new to the church and got to know her, trying to help her meet other people within the church. And through that, um, those interactions found out that she was actually being trafficked by her family. Oh so it was God. more of like a like an escort type of a situation.
0: You mean the family was like sending her out. Mm-hmm. Like they
1: would, the um, yes, have her, like, basically escort someone for the weekend, and she would have to do whatever that person wanted. So they were selling her, basically, on the weekends. She worked a Monday through Friday job. You know, it was just...
0: How old you know, was she? That's in her 30s. That's so, I mean, terrible. it really, it
1: that's what we mean by the awareness piece. Like, it's not what you see on... on the SBU or right. on movies, you know that you see, it really could be the woman next door who is just struggling through a dysfunctional family or through some kind of addiction that we really don't see. Right. You know, it's very hidden and so, um, but you know, when you're seeing some odd behaviors and things like that, it's just, it's nice to just be aware of what you're looking at.
0: Oh, um, yeah,
1: Teenagers I mean, are being groomed at schools, you know, just right. online use with teenagers and the younger generation well, right. even, I guess, a little bit older generation. Right. It's been around right. for a while.
0: It has it's, been and it's not like it's manipulation. It's not going away. It's not going away. Just yeah. a few weeks ago, I had Joe Sweeney on with the AServio project yes. and a nonprofit project that he's doing to help get the women and children out of sex trafficking. Right. And it, talking to him, it just really made me aware of where I am. When I'm out somewhere, I kind of really make sure I'm not distracted by my phone I'm kind Mm -hmm. of looking around everywhere just to make sure you know there's nothing that I need to be uncomfortable or or feel unsafe about and I try to tell my kids who are in college and I tell them to tell their friends when you're posting something on Snapchat because you know Joe talked about the social media they know where you are they can come find you you know they're putting on there their location like here we are at so and so dance club we're having fun great who needs to know that
1: yeah or even identifying the school that they're going to you know there's been cases where you know the traffickers were driving around some college campuses just looking for you know the group of girls talking outside and you know approaching them and inviting them to a party right uh, but the online piece you know we share everything online anymore it seems like and so you know, when you're sharing the one thing that maybe um makes you vulnerable uh with parents or my parents won't buy me this certain pair of tennis shoes they look at those things and they're learning about you so it may be months that they're actually following your posts and seeing what you're doing and they learn different pieces about you so then they, they reach out they use those
0: those to are their come, tools too comfortable with them right to manipulate you, know, you. So,
1: and they start that manipulation to the point where they isolate you from your friends and family right and um, then it's harder you know for you don't feel like you can share with your family because maybe you did something that you really are ashamed of. You know, maybe just been one thing, maybe one picture or something like that. And um, they're like, oh, you can't tell your parents. You know know what they're going to think of you if you do that. And, you know, so it begins that whole, what we call the grooming process. And so that's when they're like, you know, you can come hang out with me. I, I love you for who you are. You yes. know, and I don't care what you've done, and so then they just start filling every need that that person has toward their. End. You know, they right. feel like they, you know, love them more. They're closer to them than they are their family these days, and so they uh, start getting pulled into that trap. That
0: it. That's so scary, and it's so true with social media. Really, the stories that Joe told in his podcast with me, it's oh. it's so easy. Easily done, yeah, and it it's you know, and they are targeting and they are looking online and they are checking what you're doing, who you are, where you live, and like you said, they're going to find some people out there that they feel like uh, maybe they have money, so yeah. maybe I'll what's that word? Not manipulate. I'll uh, for ransom or something. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'll send this naked picture out to everybody if you don't pay me right. this money. So I I really think that. Why aren't people talking about this, Teresa?
1: Because a lot, it's, it's hard to know what you can do about it. You feel uncomfortable. A lot of people feel uncomfortable. Like, I don't know anything about that. You know, I've never experienced that. How am I going to help someone who's going through that? As well as, you know, people look at it as a dirty crime. You know, they look at prostitution. And unfortunately, we judge um, exactly. people who are in those, you know, lifestyles sometimes. And so it's... It's hard to take that step, you know, but a big part of it is really looking at it like it could be your daughter, it could be your sister, it could be your neighbor, and what would you do for them? You know, so it's really learning about how they got into that situation. And you really then see that, you know, it really was not of any choice of their own. They maybe just didn't have the the choices that we had growing up. But
0: they don't have to make that
1: first step out. And people, you know, it's considered like a dirty crime. I mean, it really Mm. is. And so people kind of don't want to get involved a lot of times, but get down to the bottom of it. It's really just about being kind, you know, and seeing the person for who they are. It really is.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, I feel like talking to Joe and hearing the statistics of how it's growing has really made me feel like we need, we need to do something. We need to be aware of this. We need to talk to our kids. And like Joe wanted to do, and I don't know if you would do this, but you said you went to Point Park, but going into high schools, kind of talking to them early because they're getting them at even the middle school age.
1: It is getting younger and younger. It used to be that the average age was about 12 to 14 Right. was when typically they would get involved. Um, we have one of our board members investigates child trafficking cases, and he said, you know, it's really probably closer to 10 or 11 now um, oh. because, you know, they're younger and younger when they're getting cell phones, you know, so they're getting that extra piece of that social media a lot earlier than what we used to. Right. Uh, but just, yeah, the desensitization to so many things in our, our culture these days to, You know, the movies and the music and different things like that, that it becomes normal, some of the things that are happening. And they're like, well, you know what? Everybody kind of does that, you know, whether it's smoking or vaping or whatever.
0: And it's those pieces that you feel
1: like it's normal, but the one time somebody slips something into you know that and you end up getting drugged and then they take pictures of you doing something you didn't know you were really doing and now now they're using that to manipulate you against your family or against your school or whatever so it's just there's so much things out there that can draw our our kids and our families away from you know they lure them
0: in they lure them in to something that they're promising them and Mm -hmm. they think that they're going to have a happier life with this person but they're just they're telling them lies they're not telling them the truth. They're not telling them. Like I really think that with what you're doing and what Joe's doing, I f- do think that there's going to be a light eventually. There is. You know, there's going to be a light. We're going to be able to really save our women and children. You know, but I'm hearing about so many different stories. I was telling Joe about a woman who is 40 that was almost sex trafficked with her kids. In Florida, so it's not like it's picking, picking, and choosing.
1: No, it's anyone, any age, any race, any nationality. I mean, right. it really does not matter who or where you are. I mean, there's, I, an executive's daughter. You know, very wealthy family, and you know, she was pulled in a situation to, you know, again. The mothers, the sisters. It's not just young kids on social media, which I know I talked a lot about that, but right. it really can be anyone.
0: Well, if there's somebody listening right now, Teresa, or somebody that knows somebody that may need this kind of help that you provide.
1: to um, We have a long-term house model, which is up to a year, um, so you can apply for that process. It takes a little bit longer, about a week or so, to get into that one, but um, they can go on refugeforwomen.org backslash help or get help um but if you just go to the web page it'll you'll see the part on there where it says need help or get help um but we have homes all over the country so um typically you know that's the best situation for us because we've identified that you know getting them out of that area where they were being trafficked or out of you know kind of like what they say with addictions you know changing your, the people, places, and things that you're involved right. in. So we're trying to do that same thing with the trafficking situation and being able to get them to another location that might be give them that time away to really, you know, rest, restore, recover, um, yes. and then help them reintegrate back into wherever they, they, they want to go. But
0: I love the that. Pits rest. R- the
1: Pittsburgh not open just yet. It will be open in a couple of months. Um, while we're doing a little bit of remodeling to our home, but our other locations are open for anyone who feels that they need this type of program or wants to refer someone to this type of program. I,
0: I thank you so much, Teresa. I feel you're like, you're like I've learned a lot. Now I know that there is a place out there because I never even thought about, okay, you know, you find them and there's a miracle and they're safe and you're trying to... I didn't know there was something out there to help them recover, restore. I like that, restore, recover. Yeah, because if you think about it, I mean... Even with addiction, that takes years.
1: I mean, that you're really learning to change behaviors um, to help you, you know, stay clean and stay, you know, in that recovery. It's the same thing with um, the trafficking situations. There are so many different mental health issues that come along with it, and you know, really trying to um, kind of have to like reprocess and rewire your brain and the way you think about things because they have been manipulated and you know taken advantage of for so long that they begin to. Believe all of those things they've been told, and so um, you know it's really about. It's not a overnight process for sure. Right. Um, you know, some of them finish the two year program and they still need lots of care. Some of them, you know, may only need you know ninety days to reset and they're ready to go back out. You know, and work a normal job. So it really is a individually based with the person. But have some you, of them, I mean, even when they graduate, it takes years. They're still in therapy for years.
0: I and was going to ask you that. Do you ever have anybody that goes back to it or?
1: Yes, unfortunately yes. we do. I'm it's sorry the same that. thing. They have to be willing to work a program and they have to be willing to work on the hard parts to really get to the point where it doesn't affect them anymore. And so same thing like with addiction, you have to work a program, you know, to really get through, you know, those cravings or what you're going to do in place of this behavior. And so there are some, you know, it takes up to seven times for it to really click. Right. You know, so it really, it is very individual based on, you know, how much they get out of the program when they come right. and whether they go back into the life for a while and then, you know, maybe after a couple of years, they're like, you know what, I really need to, to change now. We've
0: had women from 18 up to age 61.
1: You're so. kidding no so I mean a lot of times it's maybe they're not being trafficked necessarily anymore but they've not been able again to recover from some of those mental health issues from maybe some of the addiction issues because they've not spent time really through therapy and working on some of those inner hurts from a lot of them it's childhood abuse Oh yeah, what led them down this pathway and so until they deal with that they're going to be easily vulnerable in other situations again and so I'm really having to work on some of that to, to get
0: Because I do right, and I do feel that when you talk about it with someone, a professional, and you kind of lay it all out there, and that's the the healing process. Just Mm -hmm. talking about it and knowing that it wasn't your fault, and it wasn't you know, I think the blame is blame uh, is so big. It's so big. You want to blame yourself? You want to blame this, that? You got to realize that Mm -hmm. it's not your fault, and you got to. I like that you said rewire your brain yeah it takes time and it may be through
1: therapy it may be through art it may be through music there's so many different ways people can receive healing right um Uh, you know it's just really being able to to do it take the time out and spend time on yourself and that's really about what our program is about letting her see what her vision is for her future and giving her that space to be able to do that
0: knowing you are important you exactly your life is more important than you even think it it is you know oh.
1: and you're worth it a lot of them are be yes. like I'm, I didn't think I was worth right. this like,
0: you're worth love you're worth mm-hmm. you know someone being your friend and just being there for you and just helping you through these really hard times and I thank you Teresa for this you're I mean so welcome. I really feel like that this is something that is out there that now people need to be aware so Absolutely. if they are listening And if anyone has
1: questions, they can call, reach out to us Right, We're, we're happy to, to share anything And keep up with our website We'll have more of those community awareness events Throughout Pittsburgh and the surrounding areas okay. um, To provide some more information
0: Oh, I appreciate that, Teresa Thanks yeah. for all the information On Refuge for Women I appreciate it This You're was welcome. Spill With Me, Jenny D Take care Thank you so much for joining me With Spill With Me, Jenny D You can be anonymous I think that it's going to help all of us. And let's have a lot of fun. I can't wait to hear from you guys. Oh, I'm so excited. This is still with me, Jenny D.